Hello, friends and church leaders. Welcome to another episode of the Effective Church Leaders Podcast, where we offer practical advice and insights to help you get better equipped to lead more effectively and help your church thrive. I'm your host, Becky Holton, and I'm joined by my co-host, my sweet husband, Carrie Holton. Yeah, baby. (laughs) Well, hon, with this episode, we've come to the end of our series, How to Help Your Church Get Off Dead Center. I feel like we need a drum roll or something right about there. I could provide that if you want it. That's okay. We'll move on. Okay. <laughs> That's right. We have come to the end of this series. And this is the last episode in this series, actually number five. And in this episode, we want to discuss steps eight, nine, and ten. So how about we just jump right in? We'd better do it. Eight, nine, and ten. Let's do it. Step number go. eight. Step number eight for those church leaders who feel that their church is stuck and not making any real or measurable progress, but who want to help their church get off dead center is this. Track your church's progress on your 12-month goals every month and every quarter. Mm -hmm. In episode 36, I believe it was, we suggested that church leaders should identify a five-year vision to the church and 12-month goals that would contribute to the achievement of that five-year vision. So now in step eight, we're suggesting that church leaders track the progress that they make on those 12-month goals. Yeah. You know, we talk about the importance of tracking progress in much more detail in session five of our Effective Church Leaders Workshop. Right. But just here, I think it's good for us to remind our listeners of the vital importance of tracking progress toward the accomplishment of those 12-month goals. You know, I've heard it said that the only measure of a great team or a great organization that would include churches is whether or not it accomplishes what it sets out to accomplish. Right. I agree with that. And we all know this is true when you're talking about the world of athletics or education or government or business, but it's kind of strange. For some reason, we're hesitant to apply this statement to the church. Um, there, I guess there's some reasons that uh, we won't get into in this podcast, but for now, let's just assume that it applies to churches as well. And I believe that's a fair assumption. Uh, and couldn't we say that the only measure of a healthy and growing church is that it accomplishes what it sets out to accomplish? I mean, that makes sense to me. Yeah, it does make sense. I think we can say that. I like that phrase, what it sets out to accomplish. You know, that phrase requires a clear vision of what a church wants to accomplish. It requires at least a few clearly articulated, specific and measurable goals. Yes, and if we're willing to affirm that the only measure of a healthy and growing church is whether or not it accomplishes what it sets out to accomplish, we could say that this truth requires something else. It requires the tracking of that progress or a way to track the progress, or I guess we could also say the lack of progress toward the accomplishment of those goals. We got to figure out if we are getting there. Yeah, I think so. You know, tracking or measuring our progress is just essential for growth. I've heard it said, and I believe it to be true, that if you don't measure it, you can't improve it. Mm. And furthermore, if you don't know where you are, how will you know where you want to go or when you will get where you want to go? That's, that's a good, good way to look at it. So specifically, what do you think church leaders should be tracking? Well, 
I think church leaders will have to identify for themselves the metrics they feel they need to track. And we can say that what church leaders track depends on what their 12-month goals are. For example, uh, let's consider this. In an earlier podcast, we gave an example of a church whose vision might be to make a certain number of disciples in the next five years. Then we said that one of their 12-month goals might be to engage a certain number of first-time guests to their Sunday worship assembly in the course of a year. So if one of their 12-month goals, for example, might be to attract 50 first-time guests in the next 12 months, they would certainly want to find a way to keep track of who is visiting their services. Well, wouldn't you say that another metric that might uh, want to that we might want to track is the number of members who are inviting their friends to the weekend services? Oh, sure. I think that's a great idea. Uh, or the number of members and their identity who are intentionally trying to develop relationships with those who might eventually accept an invitation to come to church with them. Hmm. Or they might track the numbers of those who are first engaging the church on the church's website or live stream. Those are really interesting things to track. Yeah, there are so many numbers that they could track to try to reach their 12-month goals. I don't know that I've ever heard of churches tracking those things, but... They're so important yes. to the goal. So so we could say whatever metrics church leaders track, we're suggesting that they take a look at those metrics every month and every quarter. Yes. You know, we're suggesting something of what we'd call maybe a monthly and a quarterly review. You know, how 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 did we do last month? How are we doing last quarter? Because this keeps the goals before the church and the progress the church is making on those goals. Uh, and you look at it on a very regular and frequent basis. It's not a one, once a year thing. Right, right. You, you keep those goals before the church when you track them. But you know, it also holds the church and people in the church accountable to some extent. Uh, to their commitment to those goals. Absolutely. When you remind each other of what the goals are, it's a form of accountability. Friends, we'll return to our conversation regarding how to help your church get off dead center in just a moment. Your church is dying. Very few guests are coming in the front door and many, many people are going out the back door. As a church leader, you know that if things don't change soon, Your church may not be around for your children and your grandchildren or for anyone else for that matter. You want to turn things around. You want the church to be healthy and to grow again, but you don't know where to start or how to begin. We can help. The first step to leading your church into the future is to lay the foundation. Your first step is to build a strong and effective leadership team. I want you to register right now for the Effective Church Leaders Workshop, now in a convenient online format. The workshop begins July 27th and closes August the 14th. And here's what you'll get. Five video sessions. Session 1, How to Build Trust. Session 2, How to Manage Conflict. Session 3, How to Gain Organizational Clarity. Session 4, How to Embrace Accountability. 
Session 5, How to Focus on Results. These five sessions will help you to build a strong and effective leadership team. And with your registration in this workshop, you'll also receive a digital workbook, virtual consultation with Becky and me, and two extra bonus lessons. Go to our website, EffectiveChurchLeaders.com, and register now. Registration closes July 26th. Class begins July 27th. Register now. So tracking monthly and quarterly progress toward achieving a church's goals is step number eight. That's what we've been talking about. But let's introduce step number nine. What, what is that step, hon? Step number nine is this. Keep the church's mission and goals before the people. You know, part of the rationale behind this suggestion is that if we want the church to focus on her mission and her goals we must constantly be keeping these things before the members. Repetition. Repetition? Repe- Rep- repetition. There's the Reps. word I'm looking for. Reps. Reps. <laughs> repetition is a must. I said it again, didn't you I? You did. You repetition. Said, repetition. <laughs> repetition is a must. you got to keep these it's goals been, before the church. It's been a hard day. It has been. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I think you're right. Um, and it took you several times saying repetition to be able to get the word repetition <laughs> Right. So, um, we've heard it said that a church announcement must be repeated at least three times before people hear it. Isn't that interesting? Yes. We've, we, you hear that repetitious statistical stuff done in other areas, and I would even wonder if it's more than three times. Yes, me too. Um, so it makes sense that church leaders are going to not just want to announce about some event that's coming up. They're also going to want to be very repetitious about the church's missions and goals before the members just to keep their mind on it. And, and, you know, I see another reason for keeping the church's mission and goals before the church, and that is it's motivational. Right. Uh, we've said this before. People want to be a part of something that's moving and going somewhere. And that would be true of both members and not yet members because people want to go somewhere. They want to be taken somewhere, and they want to put their confidence in leaders who know where they're going and what they are what they're going to do. And when you hear the mission and goals of the church, I believe people in the pew and other people that are considering being a member there, they're going to think, you know what, these people are going somewhere and they know where they want to go. They're on the ball. And of course, church leaders hope that their response is after that, I want to be a part of this movement. Yes, I think you're exactly right about that. You know, I've seen churches honey, that that did not do a very good job of keeping the vision and goals before the eyes of the people. Mm -hmm. And now that I think about it, it's likely that they did not have a clear vision or any goals at all. Right. But those churches that did not do a very good job of keeping their goals before the eyes of the people, well, they just seem to be directionless, not moving anywhere, just sort of stuck in a rut, And, of course, there was no accountability because there were no goals to hold people accountable to. 
And in those churches, there was little excitement, little enthusiasm. People just going through the motions of church, stagnation. I think you're right. People need to feel like they want to go somewhere, that they're part of a movement. And when, you don't, when you're in churches that don't keep goals before the church, well, you just don't feel like you're going anywhere at all. Just doing same old, same old every Sunday or during the week, that's not motivational. It may feel calm. It may feel comfortable, but it's really stagnation. Right. And since I was negative, maybe I should be positive here. Okay. I have seen churches that did a great job of keeping the vision and the goals before the people. You often heard the ministers from the pulpit refer to the mission of the church, maybe once or twice a month. You could find the mission in print in the church's printed material. You found the mission and the goals in various places in the building, maybe even written on the walls of the building. The leaders were keeping the path forward before the people, and it created expectation and excitement. Yes. I I think you and I have been really inspired and motivated during the pandemic uh, as we've been able to listen to a variety of Sunday morning worship services. And I'm telling you, the ones we've listened to, they just pop. It just stands out where those churches they know where they're going, and you hear that message. You hear the goals in all of the people that are leading uh, from the children's minister all the way up to the pulpit, and it's they're all on the same track. Yes. And there's so much clarity. It makes a difference. It does. And, you know, even as we're visiting those websites, uh, we have felt some of that inspiration and motivation ourselves. Uh, but, you know, in, in step eight, we suggested that churches should track progress on their goals every month and every quarter. So should church leaders communicate these monthly and quarterly results that they track as just kind of a way to keep it before the church? I think you raise a good question there. You know, the church may not need to see the dashboard that the leaders are monitoring every month, but certainly on major goals and where progress is found, those results should be announced and shared with the church. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm tempted to bring up another subject here, honey, and and that is how church leaders might improve their communication to the church. For example, if church leaders set a goal for a special contribution or for a Friends Day, for example, they really need to communicate to the church what was given in that special contribution and how many people gathered for that special Friends Day? Well, and I would even say that it needs some good promotion uh, even before the event. There needs to be a lot of information communicated on why we're having a Friends Day or why we're having a special contribution. A lot of promotion, a lot of communication, and then follow-up. I agree 100%. Yeah, you know, people want to know, okay, how did we do? Did we reach our goal? They want to know that, and right. it's, it's motivational. It's, right. it's inspirational to share that information. Well, and that's a good lead-in to the last step that we want to mention for helping your church get off dead center, and that is celebrate your victories. I like that a lot. Me too. You know, when the church experiences a victory, a win, they should celebrate that win. Yes. If they had a goal to raise $50,000 in a special missions contribution, and they raised that amount or more, they should celebrate that victory and praise God for it. Absolutely. If they had a goal to attract a certain number of first-time guests in a specific period of time, 
and they came close to reaching that goal or they exceeded that goal, they should celebrate that victory and praise God for it. Absolutely. You know, we've talked of celebrating goals that are reached, that are measured by numbers. Um, But I want to ask another question, which is a little harder. Don't you think we should also be celebrating the stories of life change? Um, Those are harder to measure, I realize. But shouldn't we capture the stories of what God is doing in the lives of others and then tell those stories and celebrate those changes? Because this lights a fire in the congregation of God's people. It creates excitement and enthusiasm. You know, maybe church leaders need to identify a time when they periodically celebrate some victory or a win or an achievement in the church. Maybe once a month, someone needs to stand before the church and tell of something good that happened, or maybe um, not need to be announced verbally, but you know, you could put it in print somewhere or on the church's website, but some kind of an observation or almost like a historical marker um, where it can be celebrated because, you know, besides only announcing the victories experienced by the church, I think it's a good idea to schedule a year-end party that celebrates the year's victories. Make a big deal out of, out of it. Celebrate what God has done. In families, we do that. There are moments that are very hard and challenging, and we work through difficulties, but man, when someone makes good grades or they win a scholarship or um, some kind of championship, that is time of celebration. And if we're a family of God, we need to pause and celebrate what God is doing. I agree. So you're saying that if the church has a victory, the leaders of the church need to take the whole church out for some ice cream. Absolutely. They're the head party animals. That's right. I agree. No, I agree with you. Celebrate those victories. That's family life at its healthiest. That's right. Okay, good thoughts there. Listen, before we close this series, what do you say we quickly list again the 10 steps that we suggested in our series of how to help your church get off dead center? Thanks, good idea. Here's number one. Clarify why your church exists. You need a clear mission or purpose for being. Absolutely. Number two, determine what a follower of Jesus looks like. You know, since the mission of most churches is to make and grow disciples, what exactly does a disciple look like? Yes. Number three, identify a step-by-step path that helps people become devoted followers of Jesus. Let people know what their next steps are in their journey to Jesus and to Christ-likeness. I really like that one. Number four, determine where you believe God is calling your church in the next five years. You know, your people need a vision that challenges and inspires and calls for faith in God. Good. Number five, identify the shorter-term 12-month goals that will help you achieve your five-year vision. Your long-range goals need to be broken down into smaller bites. Right, and that connects with number six. Choose three to five core strategies for accomplishing your five-year vision. You know, identify those few initiatives or programs or ministries that are going to fuel your drive to your goals. Number seven, identify the role that each ministry and each person plays in reaching the church's 12-month goals. Everyone needs to be focused on the church's goals 
and everyone needs to be pulling in the same direction. Number eight, track your church's progress on your 12-month goals every month and every quarter. That's what we've been talking about today. Focus on results. Track your progress. Are you, are you, are you moving the needle? Yes. Number nine, keep the church's mission and goals before the people. To keep people motivated and moving forward, the church's goals, well, keep those goals before their eyes. And number 10, party baby. It's <laughs> celebrate those victories. Celebrate what God does in your midst. Celebrate the good things that are happening in your church family. Because we all know there's enough negative in the world that we just sometimes don't give God the airtime he deserves. And so before we close, uh, do you have some closing thoughts? Yes, you do. I do. <laughs> uh, as we close this series, I just want to encourage church leaders to remember something they know, uh, something they've been reminded of over and over again. They haven't forgotten it, but remember that there is no greater work in the world than God's work. You and we are privileged to serve his people and to serve him. And he deserves our very best efforts. And the people that we're trying to lead, they deserve our very best efforts. So let's not be slack in the work that God has given us to do. Let's be intentional. Let's be serious about it. Let's do what we can to take the steps we can to reach a world for Christ. Let's take this work seriously. Let's, let's get after it. Uh, and let me also say before we close that I don't want you to forget this online workshop, the Effective Church Leaders Workshop that is now online. We're beginning our first class on July the 27th. We would love for you to go to our website and register today to be a part of this great workshop. You'll get so much out of it, and we'll love having you there. Oh, I'm excited. That's getting ready to go live. That's going to be me too. Um, we hope it's one of those things that we can celebrate that look what God has done yes. in a pandemic. So, well, thanks friends for joining us for another episode of the Effective Church Leaders podcast, where we offer practical advice and insights to help you get better equipped, lead more effectively and help your church thrive. May God bless you and your every effort to glorify him. <laughs>